you for being here. Uh, it's all hands on deck. We're glad that, uh, that everyone can be out this morning. Have you ever been tired? Have you ever grown weary in the tasks that you were assigned to do? I think we all have. It is a, a, a real thing, being weary and tired. We know the feeling. And we were, are warned in the passage that Mark just read for us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, that we're not to be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We can become weary in doing good things. And this isn't the only place where this idea is presented to us, because it is a real danger. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul tells the Thessalonians, Be ye brethren, not, be not weary in well-doing. Don't be weary. Don't get tired of doing what is good. This morning, I want to look at reasons why we might grow weary in well-doing. Some attitudes that might lend to us being weary and tired of doing good. I want to talk about those attitudes and those thoughts and look at how we can uh, avoid them and how we might avoid this idea of being weary in well-doing. You know, it's important because as we read in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, our receiving of reward is contingent on us going weary. We shall reap, it says, if we faint not. If we maintain our diligence, if we do not become weary in well-doing, we'll receive the reward. That's why it's important. This lesson has eternal consequences because there are many who have grown weary, who've given up, who've sat down, and they've quit. And we can't be like that. We cannot quit. And yet it is a little bit ironic, isn't it? It's ironic that we would grow weary in well-doing because of passages like Deuteronomy 6, verse 24 that you know well. Deuteronomy 6, verse 24, The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that He might preserve us alive as it is at this day. It's ironic that we would grow weary in well-doing because doing good is for our good always. Living this way is for our good. It's like telling a kid not to get tired of eating ice cream. You've got to keep on eating ice cream. Don't get tired of eating ice cream. Seems sort of silly, doesn't it? And it is a little bit ironic that God would tell us to not grow weary in well-doing because He's wanting us to do good for our good. This isn't because God is trying to make our life miserable. He doesn't lay out this, this lifestyle and this path for us to live because He wants us to have a, a, a destructive life. No, it's for our good. And yet we can still grow weary. And so let's examine some of these thoughts that might promote weariness. And you might think to yourself, well, this is sort of a waste of time for me because I'm, I'm pretty good right now. Well, let's put these things in our toolbox because we may not always be good. We might grow weary at times, and we need to know how to avoid that. We know we don't wait until the engine on our car this morning, this is up and doesn't work anymore before we change the oil, don't we? We do some preventative maintenance. This morning, this is maybe preventative maintenance for you. Maybe you're having these thoughts already. Let's examine them and look at what the Scriptures teach us about combating these thoughts that promote weariness. The first thought that we want to look at this morning is the idea that I can't. That I can't 
do what God wants me to do. If I have that thought, I'm going to tell you it promotes weariness. When we think the task or the job is undoable, then that promotes weariness in our minds. Back when I was in high school and I had much younger knees, I ran cross country. And I grew up uh, mostly over in East Tennessee where it's hilly. And there was a course that we had for cross, our cross country races where we would run many times throughout the year. That was a very hilly course. It was right on the shores of the, of the river there in Knoxville. And so you started out on a flat area, as flat as a pancake, for about a quarter of a mile. And then we came to a hill that was straight up. And it was a very daunting hill. It was about 100 or 150 yards straight up a hill. And a hill where you could barely put one foot in front of the other. And for the kids who had never run that course before, when they saw that hill, they immediately thought, there's no way in the world I can run up that. And so we'd start the race, and they'd shoot the gun, and everybody took off excited, and we were running for all we were worth. And as soon as we got to that hill, you know what? There were kids who stopped almost right at the bottom of the hill because they saw that hill. I said, no way I can run up that. I'm not even going to try. Those of us who had run it before knew it was going to hurt, but we could get up that hill. And so it is with us spiritually, I think. When we look at what God has told us to do, and when we're overwhelmed by that and say, I can't do it, you know what? We get weary and we stop many times before we even try. We need to be confident that we can overcome. We can do what God wants us to do. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. A well-known and a well-misused verse. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. Now that's a conditional all, isn't it? That's not all. We can't sin. Other things you can't do. You can't do that. I'll tell you some other things you can't do. You can't become president through Christ who strengthens us. Maybe, maybe once a person here could, but probably for all of us, that's not going to happen. You can't become a major league athlete through Christ who strengthens you. Many of us, probably all of us. But I want to tell you, all of us can do all that Christ wants us to do. We can do all that Christ wants us to do. We can do the good that God has called us to do. In John chapter 15, beginning of verse 4, we read this. In John 15, beginning of verse 4. Notice what Jesus says to his disciples. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. Notice this. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. The same does good. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide in, uh, not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. Can we do what God wants us to do? Absolutely. The thought that I can't do it needs to be eradicated from our minds. We can do what God wants us to do, and there should be no doubt. God has made it clear 
we can do what we're supposed to do. Yeah, preacher, I don't know. I don't know that I believe proof in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Aha, there, there's our proof, isn't it? We have a high priest, Jesus, our Lord, who was tempted in the ways that we're tempted. He was a man and tempted like us, and he overcame. Can I do it? Yes. Jesus is on his throne to prove that I can do it. Yes, we can do it. How? Well, look at verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may have mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can do it. Is it going to be easy? No, not always. It's going to be hard, but you know what? We can go to God and we can go boldly to get the help that we need so that we can do it. We need to make sure that we are confident that we can do it. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 reiterates this point for us. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. There is no temptation taken you, but as such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. You can overcome whatever temptation, whatever challenge, whatever difficulty you're facing, you can overcome that. The Word of God is clear that we can overcome. Yeah, but I'm facing all kinds of challenges. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know how hard it is for me. It's easy for you. It's hard for me. No. The temptations that I'm facing are common to man. No, the challenges that I face are common to man. It's not only me. It's others. I'll tell you, that's the importance of us having our brethren that we are with. As we work together to encourage each other. You know, everyone in this room is facing challenges that are common to my challenge. I'm not alone in this. We ought to be able to help each other and encourage each other in this spiritual relationship that we enjoy. You know, that's why it's so important that we don't allow our relationship to just degrade to something being merely social. Where we just happen to go like the same restaurants and we happen to enjoy the same entertainment and recreation. No. This relationship needs to be a spiritual relationship. Sure, we can, go, we can like to go eat cheeseburgers together. But what's important is that we're working together spiritually to grow closer to each other as we grow closer to God so we can encourage each other as we deal with these temptations that are common to man. That God has promised us that He's faithful. He's not going to allow us to be presented with a temptation or a challenge that we can't overcome. We can overcome. And we need to make sure that we don't have this thought that we can't overcome. I'll tell you another thought that will promote weariness is this idea that it's not that important. You know, we have trouble getting energetic about tasks that we think are unimportant. Maybe you have in the past been given an assignment at work that you thought was a complete waste of time. You thought it was just busy work. You thought it wasn't any, there was no value in it, but you were given this task and you had to do it. How'd you feel about that? 
that task immediately brings upon, this, upon you this weary thought, doesn't it? It makes you tired just thinking about it. This is a waste of time, a waste of effort and energy. It makes you weary. And so it is with us spiritually. It's hard to get excited about something you think it's a waste of time. You ever wash the underside of your car? You ever think, well, you know what? I'm feeling like I just want to wash the undercarriage of my car. No, it's a waste. You don't do that. Nobody cares. How about cleaning out your closet? You ever get excited? Well, I'm going to clean out my closet and get all pumped up about that? No. You just close the door. Nobody sees it. Spiritually, when we think it's a waste of time or it's not that important, then we're going to grow weary in it. In Titus chapter 2, in Titus chapter 2, notice this task that we're doing, this life that we're living is not a waste of time. It is so important that Jesus died so that we could live this life. In Titus chapter 2, beginning verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. He died so that we might be living this life that we're living. Is it unimportant? Jesus didn't think so. He was willing to die so we could live this way. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we see that our efforts are part of God's eternal plan. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we hear his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath or before ordained that we should walk in them. This is part of God's plan. You living the way that you're living in this wicked world. Facing the challenges that you face, it's part of God's plan that we be living this way. It's important. Yes, it's important. And we need to understand that when we live this way, that it is causing us to bring glory to God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We're living this way to bring praise to God. Because of the glory that we can bring to God and the impact we can have on others, doing well, doing good is very important. Furthermore, we need to understand this idea of growing weary can be promoted by the thought that it's just not doing good. You know, everybody wants to think what they're doing is good, is going to have an impact. And when we start to think that it's not having an impact, it's not doing any good, then we grow very weary in that. Maybe it is a, 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 re, a, a resolution that you've made to, to exercise more or to watch what you eat and lose some weight. You know, that's really good if you can start to see some impact from that and some change pretty quick. But you know what? If the pounds aren't dropping off and you don't feel like you're getting any more fit, you very easily grow weary. You think, well, this isn't going to do any good. I'm just going to quit. And so it is for us spiritually. When we begin to think that the way that we're living and what we're doing and what we're committed to isn't doing any good, then we'll quickly grow weary and want to quit. In Matthew chapter 5, though, in Matthew chapter 5, we need to understand that what we're doing is doing good. 
It is doing what God wants us to do, and it is bearing fruit in the world. In Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 14, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. We're the light of the world. Is it doing good? Yes. We're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We are letting our light shine, and it is going to have an effect. Light doesn't shine without an impact and an effect. It happens. And you know what? It is much easier for our light to shine when it's really dark, isn't it? Have you ever noticed how dim your headlights are in the middle of the day? Barely tell they're on. Turn those same lights on when it's dark outside, and there's a huge effect. We might be discouraged by the wickedness around us, but I'll tell you, our light can shine even brighter in the wicked world that we live in. And it will cause an effect. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, that other people are watching. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, we need to know that other people are watching us. Kids, you need to know that other people are watching you as kids. And you need to know that other people are commenting about you and the way that you live. Grown-ups, we need to understand that others are watching us and it's making an impact. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning of verse 6. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Others were noticing what was going on in Thessalonica. It was spreading. And when we let our light shine, others will notice and it will spread. Word is going to get around. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. People are going to be talking. First, uh, Philippians 1, verse 27, Paul says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come to see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. You know, people are talking. Have you ever heard report of someone who was engaged in a terrible life of sin, Maybe that life was exposed and word went around and you heard about that. Maybe you didn't even know the individual, but do you remember the feeling that you felt when you heard it? Someone had been living a life that they shouldn't live. That was a discouraging feeling, wasn't it? On the other hand, have you ever heard a story about and his or her great commitment to serving the Lord? You heard about that and you remember how you felt, how encouraged you felt? I'll tell you, people are observing us. And they're talking about us. The way that we live does have an impact. It does do good. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, or sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning of verse 6. A familiar passage that we've mentioned many times before, but I want to tell you that the way that we live is sowing seed. And when you sow seed, it does have an effect. And we need to be concerned about sowing seed not necessarily about the souls that are converted. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 3, beginning verse 6. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. 
Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. We need to be planting the seed, and we plant the seed by living a good life. We plant the seed by doing what God wants us to do. You know, I'll tell you, we can plant the seed even if we don't get anyone to agree to sit down to a Bible study with us. Even if we don't get anybody to walk in the back door, we, get some, we plant the seed by living the way that we should live and doing what we should do. You are planting seed by having the family that God wants you to have and others observing that. You're planting the seed by your priorities when you get up on Sunday morning and you come. And people next door to you who maybe you don't even know by name see you doing that. You're planting seed by standing up for what's right on the job, by standing up for what's right at school or on the sports team. You're planting seed by doing good and it will have an effect. We need to be planting seed. You know, you can talk to the clerk who checks you out at the store. You might just drop God in there or something about the Bible or about Jesus and plant a seed. You see, we don't have to go from start to finish with someone and get them to be converted to plant a seed. We plant a seed throughout the day, throughout the way that we live. Is it going to do any good? Yes, it will do good. We need to be committed to that. Thinking it won't do any good certainly causes an attitude of weariness. Another attitude that causes weariness, I think, is the idea, an attitude that you think you've already done enough. You know, when you think that you're done working and you're ready for a break, the thought of doing more work causes you to become very weary. Have you ever come in from working out in the yard Maybe in the heat of the summer, mowing the grass, and you come in and you find out that something's broken that needs your immediate attention. You were coming in thinking how nice it would be to sit down in the cool and maybe get a nice tall glass of lemonade and just rest, and you come in and something's broken and it has to be done immediately, and the thought of doing more just makes you weary. When you think you've already done enough, that can cause you to grow weary. But I'm going to tell you, as Christians... We can never say that we've done enough. In Luke chapter 17, verse 10, Jesus says, So likewise ye, when you shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what which one said, that I'm going to retire from serving God. We never get to the mindset where I have done enough. I'm going to sit back and I'm just going to wait it out. We have always more to do. In Philippians chapter 3, beginning verse 13. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, beginning. Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We need to keep pushing on. We haven't done enough yet. No one here has done enough yet. Paul hadn't done enough yet. And if we begin to think, well, I've done enough, then it's going to cause us to be very weary about thinking about doing anything else. And quickly, because you probably are thinking that I've already said enough, I've got a couple more points that might cause us to grow weary in well-doing, the attitude that you just need a little break. You know, thinking about a break sort of makes you tired. 
Thinking about how nice it would be to sit back and relax just sort of makes you tired thinking about it, doesn't it? Because it makes you realize, well, boy, I've been working pretty hard. And in our lives as Christians, I want to tell you that, that thought and that attitude can cause us to become weary as well. I just need a little break. You know, I've been making a lot of sacrifices. I've been working really hard. It would be nice to just sort of let it slide for a little while and pick it up later. Just quit for a little while and pick it up later. Take a little break from God. I'll tell you, this is not the time to take a break. This is not the time when we get to rest. Philippi Hebrews chapter 4, beginning of verse 6. We studied this not too long ago in our Wednesday night Bible class. Tells us there is going to be a time when you can take a break, when you'll get a rest, but it isn't here while you're on the earth. Hebrews 4, beginning verse 9, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that entered into his rest, he hath also ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. There's coming a time when we can rest. It's not while we're here. Don't get ready for a break here. Get ready for a break in eternity. The idea that we could need just a little break can cause us to grow weary. And finally this morning, I want to tell you the attitude that it's just not worth it can cause us to grow weary in well-doing. That it's just not worth it. Have you ever worked on the job where you had a lot of overtime to do? where the, the, there was just an enormous amount of overtime and, and you were getting paid that overtime pay. Maybe it was time and a half. Maybe it was double time. Maybe you worked on a holiday. You, had to get, you got triple time for working on that day. You know, you're making just loads of money. The check was just going to be huge, but your body was tired. You were missing down the family events. You were making all kinds of sacrifices there. And find, you just thought to yourself, you know what? I'm making a lot of money with this overtime, but it's just not worth it. Made you tired to think about that. When we begin to think about our spiritual life that way, that maybe it's just not worth it. Yeah, I know there's this idea of heaven way off in the distance, but I don't know. I don't even know if it's worth it. When we begin to think like that, we'll quickly become weary. Paul understood the reward. Paul never doubted that it would be worth it. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning of verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but also to all them that, all, that love his appearing. Paul had no doubt at least in this point, if he doubted previously, he wasn't doubting now. He had no doubt that it was going to be worth all of the sacrifices that he was making. We have to be committed of that as well. That it is going to be worth what we're going through. First Timothy chapter, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul would say it this way. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. We're working for someone who will notice what we do. He'll notice our sacrifices and we will be rewarded. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. You have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. We need to have patience. In other words, we need to keep on keeping on because we know that God 
will give us the promises that He's made to us. And finally, this morning, that brings us back to where we started. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we can't not. Will it be worth it? Will it be worth the sacrifices that we make here on this earth? Yes, it will. It absolutely will be worth it. The attitude that you can't do it is not valid, and it will promote weariness. The idea that it's not that important is not valid, and it will promote weariness. The attitude and idea that you've already done enough is not valid, and it will promote weariness. The idea that you just need a little break, that you can just relax and let it slide for a little while, is not a valid idea or concept, and it will promote weariness. And the idea that it is not worth it, the sacrifices that you're making, is absolutely, 100%, not a valid concept and idea, and it will promote weariness. We need to be aware of these attitudes and these thoughts that the devil might try and plant in our head, that they are not constructive, they're not helpful, they'll promote weariness, they'll promote the idea and encourage us to just give up. We can't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we will reap if we faint not. I hope the thoughts that we've had this morning have been encouraging. Have you fainted? Have you fainted? Have you given up? Don't give up. Get back up. And if we can help you, we want to help. Have you started? You can't faint if you don't start. If you're not a Christian this morning, you need to become one. If we can help you with that, will you let us know while we stand and sing?